You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. You know, something about Thanksgiving, man, you eat big and then you're full, but about an hour or so later, you got to eat again. That's how I am anyway. And you just, you just keep, you know, you literally, my favorite thing in, in Thanksgiving is my mom's stuffing, and you literally just keep stuffing and stuffing and stuffing. You feel like a turkey. But, uh, but anyway, that's how God wants us to hunger for his word. Like, God, man, I just can't get enough of this. I just want more. I Just give me some more. My name's Jimmy. I'll take all you'll give me, right? Just... I just give me some more and give me some more. And God said, if you'll stay hungry and stay thirsty, he'll continue to satisfy us and fill us to the full. And then after that starts to fade, he'll fill us some more. And he'll fill us some more. And he's, it's unlimited amount of power. It's an unlimited amount of hope and an unlimited amount of love. It's unlimited. He, you know, God just doesn't, he can just not bless uh, someone in this room and then He's like, oh, man, I'm sorry. You asked for the same thing, but you asked today. They asked yesterday, and I'm, I'm kind of out. You know, I'm running low. It's not like, you know, going to a restaurant here, man. It's, they're like, oh, no, we, we, don't have, we, we don't have those right now. How many times do we hear that, right? No, the coffee machine's not working. The ice cream machine's not working. Something's not working. Something's not right. We're missing that. You know, we don't have those today. We're waiting on a shipment, right? And so, listen, God's not like that. He's not un- he has an unlimited supply of everything that he offers. So just because he blessed me doesn't mean he can't bless you. And just because he gave me a lot doesn't mean he don't have a lot for you and everybody else. So he's unlimited. So don't think of him that way. I want you to think of him as an unlimited supply. A limited supply of love, hope, faith. A limited supply, unlimited supply of his grace. His grace is... Grace is that he, that God does something for us that we can't do for ourselves. That's what grace is. He does something for us that we can't, we cannot do for ourselves. That's why they call it unmerited favor, that you can't do it, you can't earn it, he just does it for you. And we live on his grace. And he says he pours out more and more grace of that uh, his ability to do things for you that you can't do on those that stay humble before him. People that are humble are hungry. People that are humble that are hungry. I used to tell Gary and my kids when they played sports, stay humble and hungry. I got that from a coach that, that I coached with at a Clovis. He's always just say, stay humble and hungry, humble and hungry, humble and hungry. Because that means you're always going to be, you're always going to be taking it in. And when we stay humble and we stay hungry before God and want more of God, he said, man, I'm going to keep doing things for you that you can't do for yourself. I'm just going to keep pouring it on you. That's where we get hope. And we've talked about this hope against hope. And we've been reading from Romans chapter 4. And the Passion Version says it differently. But I'll refer back to the King James. It says, against all odds, when it looked hopeless... When it looked hopeless, that's the first hope. That means you've done everything humanly possible that you could do. You've pulled on everybody humanly possible on what they can do, and it's not enough. 
That's that first hope. That's how he can say hope against hope. When it looked hopeless, he, he still had hope when it even looked hopeless because this second hope is not in what people can do or what Abraham can do or what you and I can do. This second hope is in what God can do. Pastor Troy, you said that last week. Yeah, I'm gonna say it again this week. Why? Because we need to understand that, that when all hope is lost here, it's not, it's not lost here. That's when you need God. And when you face those situations, you can, people react differently. There's two ways to react to that, and we're gonna talk about those. But first, I wanna read the rest of it. It says, against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed. What did he believe? In himself? No. Did he believe in his wife? No. Did he believe in any other human being? No. Did he push it, place his belief in the government? No. Did he place, place his belief in somebody else that, that he saw as more special than him? No. Nobody else gives, nobody else stuff. He said what he believed was the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He believed in God's promise, God's promise to do it, and his faithfulness to do it. That's where this hope comes from. That if God makes a promise in his word, that it's greater than the hope, all hope lost in the natural, in our world. He can still bring to pass in our world what looks hopeless because nothing is hopeless in his world. If he promised it, he's faithful to do it. I said, if he's promised, if he's promised it, he's faithful to do it. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 9. This has been sitting on me. It's one, I, I know this scripture by heart. I don't know it in the Passion Version that I'm reading out of today. I know it in the King James Version. But I know this scripture by heart. Why? Because it's so powerful. It's, 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 it's this other hope over here. It's the second hope. It's the God kind of hope. And this is, this is what it says. It says, and don't, in Galatians 6, 9, and don't allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds for the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted, you have planted, it's personal, is coming. Now, for some people, they might go, oh, no. Because God said, I'm not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, he'll reap. You sow in the flesh, you're gonna reap out of it. You sow in the spirit, you'll reap out of that. Whatever You have your own field you sow in. And you have your own field you're going to harvest out of. You get to choose what you plant. And when you, hey, listen, once you choose the seed, the harvest is a done deal. You choose apple seeds, you're going to get all, you can't say, dadgummit, I thought it was a watermelon tree. I was getting watermelons. But that's how people kind of live their life. They're like, I'm going to plant these crappy seeds, but I'm going to get good things. No, no, no. Once you plant, you get to choose the seed. But God said, I'm not mocked. You chose the seed. Now, I've already, I've already said what you plant, you get. So God's law, his, his, he's like the, it's like the law of gravity. This is happening. You get to choose the seed. And once you choose that, you've already chosen the harvest. God promised you'll get that harvest. So hopefully you're planting good seeds right now 
so that the harvest that's coming to you is a good harvest, not a bad one. But here's, the, I got good news for you if you planted some bad seeds. If you'll turn to God, God said, if you'll repent, man, you know what? God's the only one capable of digging up those seeds and giving you another chance to plant again. He's the only one that can do that. That's why he's the God of all hope. When it looks hopeless, there's always hope with God. He said he'd even deliver you from your past. I'm a living proof of being delivered from my past. He not only delivered me from my past, he redeemed my past. Well, how does that look? What's that look like? He uses the things I did and went through now to minister to people. That's how he redeemed it. He, he's like, Satan, you thought you, you, you messed with him here? And you thought this was all a mess? Uh, no, 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 no. I'm going to take that mess. I'm even going to turn that around for good. And now you, uh, Troy's going to be able to minister to people that have gone through similar stuff. That's one way he redeems it. Another way he redeemed it is he gave me a chance to apologize to my entire graduating class. They asked me to speak, and I spoke, and I asked their forgiveness. 20 years later. God will deliver you from your past. He will redeem it and deliver you from it, but you have to pursue him for it. You have to pursue him. You have to say, you're the Lord. You have to submit to his lordship and say, God, deliver me from my past. And when he'll, he'll do two things all at once. He'll deliver you from your past. At the same time, he's opening up for you a new future, and he's allowing you to plant different seeds so you can get a different harvest. So let me, let, me, let me narrow this down for you here. Uh, he said, and don't allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds for the season of reaping, reaping the wonderful harvest you planted is coming. So he's saying, listen, if you don't quit, you'll get the harvest. Let me say it again. If you don't quit, you'll get the harvest. If you quit, the only way you can lose the harvest is if you quit, is if you quit. That's the only way you can lose is if you quit. You, if you quit, you lose. It's not because you fall. The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. Seven we know is however many times that is. We know seven's the number of completion. Eight's the number of new beginnings. That eighth time, he just starts anew. He doesn't quit. A person that's right with God just not going to quit. I'll fall. I'll fail, but you know what I'm going to do? Even with those failures, I'm going to learn. You know, we don't even say lose some, win some anymore. We say learn some, win some. Because if you lose and win, and you, if, you, if you have lost something, but yet you learn from it, then you really didn't lose. Because you gain knowledge, and that's, that's a win. And we win. We learn some of our best lessons from those losses. You know, God, God's like this. If you, if you aren't motivated by my goodness, I, I, I hate this about our, all of our humanity. Sometimes the only time we're motivated is by pain. We're only motivated by pain. We have to go through a lot of pain to get motivated to stop doing things or deal with issues in our life. And, I mean, sometimes we're just motivated by pain. Pain motivates us more than good things. I, I think as we mature in Christ, hopefully the good things motivate us more than the pain. We don't have to learn hard lessons all the time. 
Some well, just only a few amens in there. The rest of you are like, no, I, I want to learn hard lessons. Stay away from me. I, I've learned enough hard lessons. I, I want to be motivated by God's goodness, amen? But you'll be motivated by, you know, reward or pain. You get to choose. But even when it's painful, if you'll pursue God, you can still end up with a reward. Even when it's painful. Your choice, someone else's choice, it don't matter. If you'll pursue God, there's still a reward. For he said, I turn all things around for your good. Joseph said, man, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So, man, God can turn it around. So, you just got to not quit. You know, I said last Sunday, I'm going to say it again and again and again and again and again, that you need to hate losing. I said you need to hate losing, but you need to hate quitting even more. You need to hate quitting even more. Do not quit. That's the only way you don't get the harvest. If you don't quit, God said, my promise will come to pass. Abraham said, all hope is gone. We're old. All hope in the natural is gone. But it said he grew stronger in faith because he kept glorifying God because he believed that even though all hope in the natural was gone, his hope wasn't in the natural anymore. His hope now was in the almighty, unlimited, all-powerful, loving God that he served. And he came, and he came to pass. It took a long time. It took years and years and years for it to come to pass. You know, I think about Noah. He built the ark for 100 to 125 years. How long does that, I mean, he, he, they'd never seen a boat like that. They'd never even had a flood. So they're mocking him. He's building a massive ark. This thing's huge. In the middle of the desert. And then when they're asking him why he's building, he said, because a flood's coming. They'd never even seen a flood. How foolish did that look? How much endurance did he have to have? How much patience did he have to have with his own family, his own sons, his own wife? I'm sure they're like, Noah, are you sure? We're spending a lot of time and money and effort on this boat in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, I heard God. I heard God. And the people came and mocked him. They mocked Noah. And he warned them, and they mocked him. And they mocked him, and they mocked him, and they mocked him, and they mocked him. And I'm sure his kids questioned and questioned and questioned until they saw the animals show up. That a male and female animal showed up and just walked right on that boat. Just started showing up of every species. All the birds came flying in. I mean, I think at that point they're like, oh, there might be something to this. Something's up. I've never seen that happen. And then when the flood came, you know, they're high-fiving. They're like, Dad, I always believed in you, dude. I, you know, I was right here with you. Yeah, everybody jumps on the bandwagon when you're winning, right? But it's those who, when it doesn't look like you're winning, that hang on and don't quit. Those are the ones that get to really experience the great victories of life. Through hard times, through difficult moments. You know, sometimes, I said there's two ways we react to pressure. You know, it reminds me of a story I read that 
there was a man, he, he, he was crossing this field. He didn't realize there was a bull in this field. Now, when I was a kid, I found myself in those situations a few times. You're just crossing the field. You see some cows or whatever. You're crossing the next thing you know. You're like, oh, oh, no. There's a bull in this field. <laughs> Hopefully you saw it before because bulls will, will chase you. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, he found himself in one of those situations. He's crossing the field. All of a sudden he sees this bull, and the bull, you know, does his thing. <clears throat> starts chasing him, and he starts running. You know, it must have been somewhere in New Mexico because there was one tree he saw, you know. That's always a testimony to me. When I see this one tree in the middle of nowhere that's never been watered and it's got green leaves on it, I'm like, now that's not a quitter. He's the only one who didn't quit, that tree right there. And so he runs. He's like, I'm running for the tree. And then he gets closer to the tree, and he sees that the lowest branch is about 10 feet high. He's like, I can't jump 10 feet. He said, but he looked back and said, it's do or die. So he takes off. He runs as fast as he can, and, he's, and that bull's right on his tail. So he's getting more and more motivated because he's like, I'm about to die. And he jumps, whoop, and misses the branch. But he catches it coming down. Oh, you didn't catch that. Some of you caught it. He didn't undershoot the branch and miss it. He jumped so high, he caught it on the way down. Listen, sometimes when you're under pressure, you're going to be motivated to do one of two things, to press in and jump higher or to quit. That's the choice you get. Am I going to say, God, I'm running I'm reaching higher and for more of you in this hopeless situation, or am I just going to lay down and quit and give up? He could have just said, no, nah, I can't reach that 10-foot limb. I'm just going to let him run me over. I guess I'm going to turn around and face, face the, you know, this bull and let him kill me. You know, I'm stupid enough to get in this field. I'm stupid enough to get myself in this situation. I'm just going to have to quit now. No. He didn't even let his own mistake Rob him of the opportunity to make it. You're going to be motivated by pressure to press into God and reach higher or to quit. I want to encourage you today, don't quit. Hang on to the promises of God. Listen, one moment when you experience the promise makes all those years fade. I mean, listen, when Sarah came and said, Abraham, man, last night, you were a stud again. I don't know what happened to you, dude. You a hundred, you're the man. You wrinkly, but you, man. And guess what? I've been bearing my whole life. I'm pregnant. And I'm thankful I'm pregnant because gaining that weight would take some of my wrinkles out, right? But uh, I'm just playing around. But listen, listen. In that moment when he found out she was pregnant, when all hope was lost, but he hang, hung on to God's promise and God's faithfulness, and it happened, you think, you think he went, golly, man, all these years we had to wait. No, they, it just, all that time, if you've ever experienced moments like that, you just, that time just fades. It's like, that ain't nothing. 
It's like it just fades away. It's like it just goes away, and you're like, man, this is, I'm so glad. Yeah, I, I hung on in faith. I was in faith the whole time. I, you know, right? You just, there's an excitement. There's an exhilaration that comes from just hanging on like a pit bull and then seeing that happen. There's something about it. Those are the games we watch that come down to the last second, and one team had just a little bit more of no quitting them than the other, and they win in the last second. That they don't, when they win by 50, they don't flood the field. It's that last second, hang on. Who's gonna, who's gonna put in that last great effort? Who's gonna fight? Who's gonna stand? Who's gonna say, mm, I'm tired, I'm, I'm beat up, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take one more step. I'm gonna go one more round, one more yard. And, and then they get that victory. All of a sudden, these guys that are exhausted are running around and feel like crazy men. I've seen it in... Women's athletics, men's athletics, any kind of athletic competition, any kind of thing like that, that it comes down to the wire like that, and someone overcomes. It's like all that training, all that effort, man, it just fades away because victory's worth it. I said victory's worth it. To experience the promise of God coming to pass in your life is worth it. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the fight. The question is, will you not quit? Will you not quit on the promises of God as long as you're breathing? And if you're not breathing, you're in heaven. You don't care. You've experienced the ultimate promise. But as long as you're breathing, the God of all hope, if he's with you, and you, really more importantly, are you with him, then in due season, you'll reap. I said in due season, you'll reap. And it's so vital that you know these scriptures. Why? Because God said when he describes the armor he gives us, the spiritual armor he gives us, the, the only offensive weapon we have is the word of God. We have a, a great defensive weapon in our shield. That's the shield of faith. Faith cometh by in hearing the word of God. So the word of God gives you, gives you this helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Puts, it protects, it puts those, it shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That means that you're at, you walk in peace and confidence. Then it gives you your shield and it gives you the only offensive weapon. It gives you your sword. It's the word, it's the word, it's the word. And you can't fight against the enemy unless you know the word. Otherwise, he'll try to trick you. If he quoted scripture to Jesus, don't think for a second he won't twist something to you. Don't think for a moment he won't twist something to you. He won't twist the scripture. You gotta know what it says. You gotta know what it says. I hear people misquote scripture all the time. I hear politicians and people on TV, commentators, news people, they misquote scriptures constantly or take them out of context constantly. And I'm like, that's, that's not what that scripture, they used it for this, but that's not what it means. That's not even the circumstance in which that word was used. And so you've got to know because that people twist it because Satan will twist it. He twisted it to Eve, tried to twist it to Jesus. The difference between Eve and Jesus was Jesus is the word. And he spoke back the correction. He corrected him every time he corrected the devil. You said this ain't right. This is what's right. Why? Go with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. 
verse 44. Oh, man, the power's in the word. Power's in the word. It's not good enough if I know it. If, if you know it and I don't know it, it's not going to help all the time. You can help me every once in a while, but you can't be with me all the time. I've got to know it. It's not enough you know it. I have to know it. It's not enough I know it. You have to know it. You have to know what the word says. Or Satan will trick you, deceive you, and flat out lie to you. Most of the world's living on lies. Lies about who they are. Lies about even the creation of the universe. Lies about how man was created. They still believe we were created by by a single cell that turned into, that morphed into a monkey that turned into us. When you believe that, you can kill babies. When you believe that, you can perpetrate any evil on a human being. We're just animals. But when you believe we're God made and created, you can't do those things. Because you understand how special we are. Listen, John 8 verse 44 says, you are the offspring of your father the devil. Who is he talking to? He's talking to the religious people. That's why, guys, I can't stand religion. I can't stand religion. Religious people, it's all, it's all, you know, hardcore, in your face, shouting at you, you know, stuff like that. And just, you know, wearing these eight-foot crosses around their neck. And they want to tell you how all everything's spiritual. You can't have a conversation about the weather or a bird. or you, you, Everything's spiritualized it, because it's so cosmetic. It's all out here. God's the God we talked about in communion of an intimate relationship. And the reason they come across so religious is they're trying to protect themselves. They're trying to say, I'm connected to God, but they don't really know God, nor are they known by God. Because the God that's intimate comes in here and starts changing things in here and starts changing things up here. But religion will keep him at bay. Religion will stiff arm and say, hey, man, I'm just going to act like I know you. I'm going to dress like I know you. I'm going to act like I know you. I'm going to quote thousand scriptures like I know you. But Jesus said in the end, they'll say, Lord, Lord, we knew you. Look at all we did. And he said, I never knew you. It was never intimate. It was never personal. He kept them outside and never let them inside. He said, they're whitewashed tombs full of dead man's bones. There's always so much secret sin behind it. And most of the time it's sexual. I said most of the time it's sexual sin. And they want to hide it and they think religion will keep it hidden. And so he's talking to them and he says, and you serve your father very well, passionately carrying out his desires. He's been a murderer right from the start. He never stood with the truth for he is full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. He is the master of deception and the father of lies. But I am the true prince who speaks nothing but the truth, yet you refuse to believe and you want nothing to do with me. You know, what did Jesus instantly do when he was tempted? What did Jesus instantly do when he heard Satan speaking through these people? Because these people wanted to be used by Satan. He began to speak truth. You always have to speak truth to lies. And a lot of people want to believe the lie and live the lie. They hate you, just like Jesus said. You, they hate me because I tell the truth. These people were, they went, they after, this is one of those times they went around and they got together and said, we got to kill him. I mean, they hated him. They wanted to take, they got, we got to get him out of here. He needs to die. Why? Because some people love living the lie and living in the world 
and living in deception more than they like the truth. That's not how we're supposed to be. But it's easy to fall for deception and lies if you don't know the truth. What is the truth? The word of God is the truth. Jesus is the word of God made flesh, and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You want to live Jesus' way? You've got to know the word. This is the instructions. You want to know, you want to know the truth? Then you've got to know the word. You want to live the life that he came to give? He said, I came to give life, an abundant life. Then you've got to know the word. The way, the word, the truth, the word, the life, the word. The word, the word, the word. God's word. And when you know that, then you can combat the lies. So it's one of some of the lies that Satan will tell you when you're hanging on to the promises of God for your marriage, for your kids, for your health, for your finances, whatever, for a job, whatever promise of God you're standing on and whatever you're believing God for that he said in his word that he would give you. We can't, we don't make up things that God promised. God said you have now because you, or you ask with, a wrong motive. You know, the drug dealer's not going to pray and say, God, help me sell more cocaine. That's not in the word. That's not a promise that he made. Amen? And so, again, if you don't know the word, you don't even know what to ask for. Because these, this is where the promises are made. This is where God's will is, is, is known. This is how you know the will of God. He said in First John, he said, if you pray according to my will, then you know I hear you. And if you know I hear you, then you know I'll answer you. But you gotta pray according to the will. How do you get the will? It's the word. It's the word, it's the word, it's the word, it's the word. It's the word. And so you gotta get into the word to know the will, to know the promises. Then you can pray those things out in to combat the lies of the devil because it is his nature to lie. He's constantly lying. You know, the average person goes to church once a month now. For the first time in the history of Church on the Move, we're seeing a lot of that. And so it's, it's amazing. You can live in the world 29 days and hear nothing but lies and deception and the world's way of thinking, acting, and living and think that you can come once, and I'm glad you're here, but you can come once a month and combat that. Or that's the only time you hear the word. Or you can read for two minutes or five minutes in the morning of the promise of God and then hear for the next 23 hours the world. No, guys, we, we've got to, if, listen, if I told you you have one month to prepare to get in a sword fight and the person you're fighting knows how to use a sword, I would hope you wouldn't just lay down and go, I'm gonna die. I would hope you'd do everything you could, take every amount of money, leverage everything you could, go find the best sword teacher and learn how to fight in those 30 days. Now, some people just lay down and die. I'd, I'd sell all that I had and go get me the best sword teacher and say, hey, teach me how to yield this. I'll fight this guy in 30 days. And I'd be training 24-7. I mean, I'd be training physically, mentally, and sword fighting skills 24-7 to give myself an opportunity to win. Let me tell you something. Satan has been training for thousands and thousands of years to lie. We got to train to know the truth. You're in a sword fight with somebody who doesn't fight fair. 
He lies, he cheats, he deceives. And if, but if you know the truth, you can win. So what is the first lie he'll tell you? The first lie he'll tell you, we're almost done. Just stay with me just one moment. He said the, the first lie he'll tell you is I can't. First he'll say, you can't. He'll say, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And he's saying you can't until you start saying, I can't. He'll speak it to you until he gets his word in your mouth. Let me say that again. He'll tell you the lie, and he'll keep lying to you. You can't, you can't, you can't. His sole purpose is to get you to say what he says, and so you start to say, I can't. And if you don't know Philippians 4.13, you might believe that lie. But if you know Philippians 4.13, which is one of the scriptures we we, we teach our children from early on, from babies here at Church on the Move. What is Philippians 4.13? I, that's what Philippians 4.13 says. Philippians 4.13 says, says the fly, physically, mentally, talent-wise, I might not be able to pull this off, but I'm not alone. I can do all things through Christ through Jesus, whose strength gives me the power, gives me the ability, gives me the strength to do it. I can. But if you don't know that scripture, you'll start believing the I can'ts. And Satan, he loves to beat you over the head with his lies, but he, what he loves even more is to put the stick in your hand where you beat yourself over your own head. He'll say, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. Then he'll say, give me that. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Then he sits back like, yeah, my work is done here. I got them to believe my lie because they don't know the truth. The Bible says in the last days, the spirit of the Antichrist is gonna deceive many. Deceive many. You know what? The only way they can be deceived is if they don't know the truth. The only way you can be robbed of God's promise and the future he has for you is if you don't know the truth and know how to combat the lies because you're going to hear them. We all hear them. The Bible says Satan throws fiery darts at us. Those fiery darts, every one of them are just thoughts, words, lies, stuff. He'll just keep throwing them and throwing them and throwing them. But if you know the truth, you'll go ping, 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 ping. Then you'll fight back and you go, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. And he'll go, oh, let me go talk to this person over here. They don't have a sword. They don't have a shield. They don't know the truth. How you combat every lie? is with the truth. Because if you know the truth, come on church, the truth sets you free. Free from what? The lie? Free to do what? To live out the truth? To live out the promises of God? That when all hope is gone in the natural, it doesn't mean it's over because there's still hope in God. That's why we're never hopeless. 
That's why we're a people, though. We fall seven times, and we have bad days, and it doesn't go our way. We keep getting back up because we're not quitters because the promise of God is not a quitter. He'll never quit on his promise. And you have a choice. You either run into the pressure and you jump higher and say, God, I'm going to get to know you more. That Satan's not going to defeat me in this. I'm going to grow closer to you because of this, not further away. But people have a choice. Go further away or grow closer. I choose to grow. I'm running into him. I don't want to. I've lived hopeless. I don't want to ever live hopeless again. I run, I'm going to run into him, not away from him. If you're under pressure, if you're under pressure, I want to encourage you. Run to God. Seek Him more. Run to Him. Go deeper. The Bible says deep calls to deep. Go deeper. Say, God, the deepest part of me is hurt. The deepest part of me is under pressure. The deepest part of me is in trouble. I'm in trouble, God, but I'm going to go deeper into you. Let the, deep part, the deepest part of me touch the deepest part of you. I want more, not less. I'm running to you, not away from you. That's a choice we make. That's a choice we make. I want to encourage you, choose hope. Choose an expect, expectation that tomorrow we'd be better. And the next day, and all the seed I'm sowing, there's a due season coming to me. If I just don't quit, I can fall a bunch of times. But if I just don't quit, I'm going to harvest that, what I sowed. And that one day of harvest, that one day when God comes through, it'll make insignificant. It'll make insignificant all that time. It'll be like, pfft. the only thing you'll probably say to yourself is, man, God, I'm sorry for the, for the days that I, that I got down. I'm sorry for the days I despaired. I'm sorry for the days I... I felt hopeless and gave in to some of that, invented that. And God, I'm sorry because you're so faithful to your promise. Listen, every eye closed. Maybe you're sitting in here and you feel hopeless. And I understand it because when you don't know God, you, you're like, man, how come I can't kick this thing? How come I can't beat this? My, this, this thing about me keeps sabotaging my life, and I keep on messing up, and I keep, it doesn't matter how much success I have or how much I fail, I still feel hopeless. I still feel like I'm messing this up, or I'm going to lose it tomorrow, what I gained. I just never feel safe. I, I never feel like there's hope for a better tomorrow, and that's what happens to people who gain all the world has to offer, fame and money. They get there and they're like, golly, why do I still feel so hopeless? It's because without knowing the God of all hope and understanding that your purpose and the reason you were created goes beyond this life, it just seems empty even to succeed. let alone to fail all the time. Whether you're watching online or in here, if you've just quit and you keep quitting, you know God was speaking directly to you. If you're sabotaging every good thing in your life, jobs, relationships, finances, man, it just seems like you always mess it up. Listen, I've got good news for you. 
God loves you. He knew all of our mess-ups. When he died for us, he died knowing that we were his enemies. He died knowing that we were going to sin. He died knowing it. But he loved us so much, he, he was willing to pay the price. But our sin deserved the, the payment that we deserve for what we've done. He paid for it for us. We don't have to pay it. When we stand before God and we know the Lord Jesus and he knows us, God does not see one sin. He said he throws into the sea of forgiveness. He forgets it and remembers no more. All he sees is the good things we, we've done. Isn't it amazing? Only God can forget all the evil and remember only the good. Not even people that love us can do that in this life, but God can. If you don't know him and you want to, that's why you're listening online. That's why you're listening. That's why you came here today. That's why, whether, whether you realize it or not, God brought you here. He loves you. He wants to save your life. He wants to save you from yourself. And he already said, I love you first. He proved his love for us by dying for us, but he proved that what he told us and what he said is the truth by rising from the dead. So he's done both. He said, I love you, and he proved it, that he is the Lord. And if you believe that today, we'd like to pray with you for the first time. Or maybe you've prayed it before. We always say, Church on the Move, God's not a God of a second chance. He's a God of another chance. Here's your chance. Here's another opportunity to be right with Him, to come home, and to live for Him. So whether it's your first time or your next time, let's pray together. Online, I'm going to ask you to send us a message. It's my first time praying or my next time praying. Right now, send it right now. In this room, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, it's me. You need to acknowledge it and say, God, it's me. I, I'm not ashamed of it. It's me. I want to be right with you. I want to live the life you created for me, not the life that I've created for myself. It's a mess. I want to go to heaven, Lord. I know the only way to get there is you. I want to know you. I want to serve you as you served me. So if that's you, on the count of three, raise your hand up and say, it's me. I want to get right with God. One, two, three. Just raise your hand up right now. Put it up high and put it, take it down. One, yeah, all around. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. I see that hand back there too. Thank you, thank you, guys. Thank you. All around, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, you can put those. Thank you. I know, I know if there's one person in this room, this message was for is you. 
pointing at you. It was for you. You needed to hear that today. I knew that when I started ministering. There's something sitting on top of you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's you. And all those that raise their hand, it's you. Let's pray with them, church. And let's all, we don't want to, we don't have to scream or yell it, but we need to say it. We need to mean it and be sincere. So let's all sincerely pray this with them. Say this, say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. And that you sent Jesus to die for my sins because you love me. You love us. And you raised him from the dead. And you proved that who you said Jesus was, he is. I believe that. And because I do, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your full, complete forgiveness. And I thank you. You deliver me from my past. And because Jesus, you are the Lord Jesus Christ of my life. And because I have your Holy Spirit right now living inside of me, empowering me to live for you, I thank you. I'll see you in heaven and I'll live a life that's full that's complete, honoring you, serving you, walking in your blessings, and being a blessing, and never quitting. In Jesus' name, I thank you for saving my life. I am a blood-bought child of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on. Let's thank God for how good He is. God is good. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.